Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. Good day and welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. I am absolutely thrilled today to welcome Gail McGiffin, who is the Chief Information and Operations Officer at Vantage. Welcome, Gail. Thanks, Denise. It is great to be here with you today. Well, it's been an interesting last year for you. You know, not everybody may know that you are now at Vantage. So one of the things that I like to do is I like to have people introduce themselves and give a little bit of background. You've had an interesting journey in your career and in retirement and coming back from retirement, Gail. So why don't you give a little bit of introduction? Sure. Thanks uh, for giving me that opportunity, Denise. Happy to say it's 38 years running uh, in the industry. About half my career has been on the industry side, half's been in consulting, half's been business and half's been technology. And, and there's been a few round trips along the way. You know, starting my career as a commercial and specialty underwriter at Chubb and then moving into product development and running various global profit centers for my first 15 years. Um, I then moved into consulting for the, you know, my foray, where I actually had an opportunity to build software and learn the business of consulting and run the underwriting practice globally at Accenture. And then I went to my first startup, ProSite Specialty, where I was employee number three in the CIO. We built a fully outsourced uh, platform to get that uh, business off the ground and was there for about three years building that team and company. And then decided I wanted to help a another startup, which was the EY advisory practice, where they were getting back into the consulting side of the business and were building out a global advisory platform. And I went in to create and run the underwriting practice there globally, and then had to retire the uh, managing partner there um, after eight years. And that was about a year and a half ago, and then looked around and tried to figure out what's next. And as you know, 2020 was a very hot year for startups. As I was having a lot of conversations over the summer and early fall of 2020, I started getting plugged into a number of them, but the one that uh, got me most excited, agreed to join full-time, was Vantage. Vantage Group Holdings, uh, which is both a reinsurance and insurance class of 2020 startup. So I've been here officially uh, full-time since last December. Well, I think it's great. I think it gives a really great perspective for many people who are thinking about getting into the industry. What a, a ride you can have in so many different facets with the industry and, and really get to uh, participate in lots of different ways. It's it's a great career, similar to mine, Gail, which we go back a long ways from a friendship standpoint. Yes, <laughs> we certainly do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not only have the startups been hot, but the whole commercial specialty lines segment remains extremely hot with a range of new products and business models. We're seeing not only just startups, but even some greenfield operations and existing insurers really addressing a, a set of new risks that have really emerged into the market that's really providing some fuel for growth. And I know Vantage is one of those who has taken advantage of this um, as a startup. Why do you think this segment is so hot? And what's the opportunity for growth, kind of those underlying drivers or customer demands? You know, it's interesting. I'm one of the people that remember back in the 80s where there were like three companies that wrote financial lines products like DNO and and the like. And nowadays, specialty 
lines is table stakes, I think. It's not enough to write standard commercial. And for that matter, if you're a specialty lines writer, it's not enough to ignore the commercial standard line side of market, meaning, you know, property GL and auto and work comp. And more and more, I think you have to have a full range of capabilities. And that's absolutely the case if you're going after larger risks, which is definitely the focus of Vantage. If you take the backdrop of hardening market conditions, you know, available capital, and then on top of that, you start thinking about how do you intelligently and fluidly deploy that capital, you end up with a model like Vantage and our business model, where we have the range of reinsurance, insurance, and alternative capital. And we actually have a structure set up to be able to go after ILS, ILW, to be as creative as we need to be and deploy the capital where the opportunities are. And so I think that it is the reality of the industry with where specialty lines has now become necessary, not optional, combined with the market conditions, you know, the benefit of rate increases, better to come in at the top of the market than the bottom, as we would always say, and in the, the underwriting side of my career. And with the capital access, there's a lot of capital-backed startups in the class of 2020. Some of it's Greenfield, Right. There's yep. some uh, greenfield spinoffs along the way. And then some are like uh, Vantage, where we have private equity firm uh, backing with a business case that, you know, takes us to an IPO uh, destination. So there's a, a range of companies and models taking advantage of that. You know, we're one of the few that has the model we have that is across insurance, reinsurance and alternative capital and is going after on the insurance side you know, the, the very, you know, the larger risks in a very specialty product industry segment focused way. I mean, I think that's, you know, part of uh, the uniqueness advantage, you know, combined with the timing and, and backdrop that I just mentioned. You know, when I think about, I mean, there's customer demand changes with that, right? Those may be the underlying drivers that brought, you know, Vantage into the market last year. But, you know, I think the nature of choice is changing. I think the demands for creativity and digital approaches. So when we talk about Vantage, we talk about being tech enabled and fueled by, you know, analytics that help us see risk differently. And that's something we take, you know, very, very seriously. But as a new market entrant, we have to appeal to customer choice, right? It's not just enough to have capital and, and smart people. We have to bring something different to the market that is lacking. And that is, you know, coming in at a time where despite you know, rate movement, there's a need, in fact, a growing need, many of us would argue, to be even more creative, to bring solutions that are anticipating emerging risk and future considerations and not just, you know, responding with another quote on another policy. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's one of the reasons why this segment continues to be hot, because I think for the first time, we're really beginning to understand how Risk is really changing pretty rapidly, but that tied to what customer demands and customer expectations are at really looking at somebody to help them with a solution, just not sell a product, but they're looking for solutions to be able to help manage their businesses, serve their customers. And that really creates opportunities to take a change to create a sustainable advantage. Something you said that you guys have really focused on from a vantage perspective is really about, you know, how does innovation fit into this? How does technology, how does people, processes, the channels, the products, how does that all fit into this? And how can you as a startup really take advantage of that 
to really kind of innovate from the very beginning, kind of from the ground up, uh, Gail? You know, there's many that are envious of the position we have where, you know, we're not only a startup, which everyone is fascinated with, (laughs) but we have a clean slate, particularly from a technology standpoint. We have no legacy baggage and So that is, uh, that has appeal. It also has challenges to it because we have the pressure of getting the business stood up to be able to write business and, you know, book it in a general ledger and report against it. So, you know, we have the same demands of a, of a 100 year old insurance company in terms of many of those, those obligations. And so we have to get there as fast as we can. The advantages is that we can select the newest, you know, the best of breed technologies. We can outsource as much as we want to. We can be cloud first, native cloud in, in ways that others can just imagine. And we are doing all of that, by the way. So there's no question that the technology enablement is a is a hallmark advantage, right? And we are, you know, we have our own business cloud. We're a hybrid cloud. So we integrate with SaaS. Uh, point solutions as well. We have, you know, the full sort of front to back office stack of software, all best of breed. Half of it's already launched. We're launching the rest of it early next year. It's all going to be integrated. You know, that is, I like to think of it as there's two sides to the technology story advantage. There's the foundational side, which are the technologies we must have to be in the business of insurance and reinsurance. Yep. And that's going to be your general ledger and, and you know, certainly your, you know, mainstay um, data warehouse, data platform, your policy billing claims systems, your reinsurance accounting, you know, you, ha- you have to have these systems. But then there are the things we want to do and particularly things we want to do with technology and data that are m- more innovative and where speed is particularly important to leverage data in new ways, build rules faster, build new customer experiences and touch points differently. And so that's sort of our speed too, if you will. And we're really trying to do both at the same time. So we are, in addition to standing up all of the core applications for our business, we are also investing in our underwriting solutions, for example, both insurance and reinsurance. And that's really going to be the backbone of differentiating our underwriting decision-making and leveraging third-party data sources and automating processes so teams can work more effectively together and collaborate with brokers more efficiently. We're you know, exploring our first customer portal. So the, particularly in that front office around underwriting and market management, we're investing in some innovations with technology, but the other backbone is what are we doing with data? So as a startup, while we have the advantage of a clean slate on the technology side, we have the disadvantage of no data, no history. And so we are reliant on new sources of data to build our own rules using the expertise of the people that we've hired, in many ways, leapfrogging some of the historical, not just technology baggage, but maybe even some of the data hindrances that our industry has been burdened with many, many years. So it really is about technology and data. And what that does is it enables our people it helps us get to consistent, disciplined, automated processes. It prepares us to be as multi-channel as we need to be, regardless of geography or wholesale retail on the broker side. And it helps us engineer a speed to market approach around our products. And that's also extremely important out of the gate for us is that we have a consistent, cohesive product architecture so that we can get reusability and extensibility for our products and get technology supporting the hyper growth we have. If I use insurance as the example we already have, 
you know, six business units and many, many, many products. So technology, data, speed to market on getting products out to market and being able to innovate, particularly in that front office. That's really what we're going after and are frankly well underway with our Vantage technology journey. Underwriting obviously has been a real passion of yours for years and you've got deep knowledge in that whole thing. And one of the things you and I talked about is this whole concept about insight-driven underwriting and data and analytics as a crucial component of that. And we talked about it, that it's almost now an arms race to compete and how data and underwriting, insight-driven underwriting are really going to be the next evolution for the insurance industry. I think we've seen that with some other startups that particularly in the personal line side, have really kind of taken that. They're using maybe different sources of data, but they're also capturing the data when they have a claim to be able to change kind of the models and the way that they're kind of driving underwriting on the front end pretty darn rapidly. They can take all of those insights and really approach that. Talk about your views on this kind of arms race, how it's really changing the the focus on underwriting. I do believe it's an arms race, and I, I believe it has been for a while. And there, every company, and Vantage is no exception, we have to build our own data capabilities. We, we cannot go buy this vast treasure trove of all the data we'll ever need across all the risks and products that we write. So we have to build these capabilities and we have to really prioritize the data sources, both those that are, I'll say, you know, fairly foundational for underwriting, as well as having a very nimble means of bringing in new sources and using technologies to bring data in that isn't coming from a third-party vendor and maybe not digital right away. So we're really having to go after data very differently, partly because we don't have any and partly because we have actually the opportunity to even source and aggregate and cleanse and match and consume data differently than our peers. I think that's how we're thinking about it. It's not doing what everybody else does. It's rethinking what we need when we need it and how to bring it into the underwriting process. I think that there's two additional points to that that are, I think, extremely important. One is data is just the start. It's about your rules. It's what you do with the data, whether those are rules that are helping you triage to prioritize the risk coming in the door or submissions, or it's data that's helping you build superior insights into particular exposure venues that become part of your decisioning process, or it's a fully automated predictive pricing model that is leveraging, I'll say, traditional and non-traditional sources that we believe is a superior way to price a risk and therefore maybe go after risk differently than the competition. It is about data becoming better rules because I truly believe that the, you know, the war is, is won or lost around your rules. And that goes well beyond data for sure, at least in my mind that it does. I think the other thing is there's a continuum that's important. I think that as an industry, we tend to build something and it's up and running and then it becomes lights on. I think when it comes to this new world order, at least the way we like to think about it, there's continuous insights. It's not just at the point of submission or renewal, you know, traditional policy transactions, if you will. We are embracing the idea that There's a continuous insight that's fed in from a variety of sources. Those can be from our own risk engineers, can be what our underwriters learn or comes from the broker or third-party sources, some of which might be vendors, some of them might be just, you know, semantic capabilities that are constantly interrogating web activity or social media or whatever it is. So we look at, at this as more of a, you know, it's continuous insights and continuous feedback loops that help you be more proactive or respond 
more quickly or fine tune those models and rules on a much faster basis than maybe anybody has ever imagined. So that is maybe a, a unique way that we we come at this uh, particular area. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and that really gets to even providing those insights and helping customers manage their risk so that hopefully they can even avoid the risk, which is really what we'd all love to have happen. So you talked about speed and obviously uh, speed to market's been one of the things that has been near and dear to our heart, um, but it has increasingly come to the top of mind of business leaders. But it's, it's easy to say, but it's not always easy to do because it really takes a significant change in mindset at the very top from a leadership standpoint to really kind of execute on this because instead of trying to have everything perfect day one, you've got to kind of rethink to what's really ultimately the most important to have completed so that you can get to market really rapidly and then fine tune once you're into the market. Talk about your view on that and your personal experience on that, Gail. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, while we have the luxury of a clean slate, we have the pressure of hyper growth. And so we're really front loading our technology investments to stand up our systems as fast as possible to support the business. And that includes, by the way, building our own Vantage uh, business cloud, which we stood up in, in under four months already this year. Oh, congrats. Yeah, it's the team we have and the partners that we're working with, you know, much more than it is myself. So, you know, I think there's a couple of tenants that we subscribe very closely to. One is we have selected best of breed solutions, but we are absolutely adhering to out of the box. We are conforming to the functionality and the processes that come out of the box. And that's extremely important. So that's part of why we're able to stand up capabilities so quickly. It, that includes, by the way, some early integrations too. I think that's an important way to approach out of the box, but as a startup, it's you know very important that we get to that minimum viable product platform as fast as possible. And then we have our backlog of enhancements, additional integrations, additional automation, additional features we turn on, whatever that might be. And that is something we have subscribed to from day one, which is why in addition to the business cloud example, we stood up our billing system in nine weeks. Our reinsurance accounting is tracking to just under four months. General Ledger was up in four months. You know, we're launching our, our first release for, for policy and for claims. They also are coming in, you know, really under, I'll say kind of between that four to five month range. I mean, these are, in, for our industry, in some cases, these are record timeframes, right? And yet we're, we're really bringing the full out-of-the-box functionality with these timeframes. So I think that discipline, that approach, taking a microservices, you know, platform-enabled approach as well in terms of how we integrate has been a big part of the approach that we've adopted. And again, as I said, the partners we've selected work at the pace and with the delivery model that we've put in place, right? In terms of a very simplified agile delivery model. The second thing is that, and this is actually something we started doing early in 2021. We first had some of our initial hires in tech and ops here. Out of the gate, we knew we needed to have one approach to how we define our products, our lines of businesses, our coverages. And that backbone of what I call a product architecture was one of the most critical things we would do, almost regardless of which vendor solutions we selected, because product is pervasive across every single system you have, from your front door portal, submission intake, through underwriting, through policy billing, claims, you know, reinsurance, your data platform, all the way to your general ledger. And so we knew we needed to have one way of defining that 
to have data integrity and also get to reusable components of product, particularly in our policy system, because that is part of the speed to market that we know is achievable, but we cannot do that without a common product definition. So that again, is something that we all have experience with, but you have to all believe in it as a company to go after it that way. Yeah. And that's something that it reaps benefits, but boy, if you don't get that, you don't get a second chance. You don't walk back from bad data decisions and product is one of the most important things, right? So we are fortunate that we got alignment and got started on that right out of the gate advantage. So with your experience now with two startups and also your experience having worked with a number of existing insurers and helping them with transformation, what key piece of advice would you give to those considering to enter or expand into this market? It's interesting. I think I have a, a couple of perspectives on that. One of them is never, never underestimate that even if you have a clean slate and you have the opportunity to select your best of breed systems and build your business cloud, you still have change management because the people that have come to Vantage have come from companies where they might've only been in spreadsheets and we're putting modern technology in their hands, you know, as fast as possible. I think that you have to always consider what that change management looks like in terms of preferred processes, in terms of training that needs to happen. You cannot just, I know this sounds obvious, but you don't want to just launch technology in isolation. You need to think about that. But I think that in a specialty model, particularly, right, if you're in personal lines or small commercial, that's where a lot of the advancements have made in automation. If you've been in large commercial or specialty, there's a very good chance that a lot of your career, including your most recent job, was spent without very much technology enablement. And so there's, you know, there's a mindset, there's a frame of reference, and you have to make sure that you're building not just the technology, but your company processes, your approach to decision-making and governance, your approach to training and assimilation and adoption. You have to be really careful with that because you can have the greatest technology. And if you don't have the right adoption, then you're not really tech enabling the business growth that we're all going after at, at a startup. And I think it's acute in the larger commercial specialty space to keep that in mind. I think the, the other thing I would say is, look, you know, if you're in large commercial specialty, you're global. You may you know, call it US and Bermuda, but you're global out of the gate. And whether that is you know, multi-currency, multi-language, multiple banks, it's your channels, it's the marketplaces you have opportunity with, for example, London and Lloyd's, you have to go in thinking that way from the outset, particularly, I think you're in my job, where you have to position your platform, both from a data and a technology standpoint, to be extensible and adaptable to these global markets, not knowing exactly when they're going to happen, but being ready to take your platform there. I think that's the other thing that, again, other parts of the market, you might not have those same considerations. So as we think about the future of insurance, what would be the one thing you hope is different in the next three to five years, Gail? You know, as someone who started her career in underwriting, and that continues to be my personal passion, and now I actually have you know, a daughter in the business <laughs> wow. and, and a son now too. You know, I, I guess my, my hope is that where underwriting has been sort of the neglected frontier 
in terms of technology enablement. My hope would be five years from now that many of the things we've talked about today, in terms of things like underwriting workbench solutions and you know the way data is accessed and you know part of the decision making processed in a very, you know, organic way, I'm hoping that becomes table stakes from years from now. And maybe it'll take a little longer than that, but I really believe that the business we're in is all about underwriting. You know, we have an obligation to better enable the underwriters with technology and data. And I, I hope that we, you know, that the industry gets there, not just Vantage. And as I said, I have a vested interest with another generation coming into the business. I think that it'll be a brighter future if that underwriting area is quite a bit more advanced and bringing capabilities that, you know, certainly um, I didn't have in the first uh, part of my career. <laughs> many didn't have for many years in their careers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I always love to end my podcast with this last question. If you could describe the future of insurance with one word, what would it be? You know, it's uh, a phrase rather than one word, if you'll indulge me, Denise. I think it's promising, but not predictable. And that's what makes it exciting, right? It's bright, but we don't have a crystal ball. Um, and we'll be prepared for all kinds of bends and curves, but the opportunities are always out there. Well, that was great, uh, Gail. Thank you so much for your great insights. It's been fun to see what's been happening over at Vantage. And we wish you and the entire team there the best of luck. As we move into the next year where you will have a lot of technology and a lot of things happening uh, to really kind of drive through that vision of insight-driven underwriting and uh, really a digital company from the ground up. So it's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be fun to see. Well, thanks for the opportunity today. I've enjoyed our conversation and uh, here's to 2022. Absolutely. Thanks, Gail, and I look forward to future conversations. Thank you. Take care. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth, wishing you a happy podcasting.